Friends, we begin a new sermon series today on the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is one of the most lovely letters that Paul writes. He writes from prison to this little church in Philippi, and you can hear the love he has for them in every word. So we will begin today by starting at chapter 3, verse 14, and we will read to the fourth chapter, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I often told you of them, and I tell you even now with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set. On earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for my joy and crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, for over 200 years, people have come to this very place to hear you speak love and truth into their lives. And it is our prayer today that we would have the same. Let any words that are spoken be only of you. Let everything else fall away. And may the meditations of our hearts and minds be centered on you. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. When I was a freshman at the University of Georgia, part of my job was that I worked in the speech comm office as part of my debate scholarship. And there were these two ladies who worked there who were as country as you could get. I mean, it was like being home with all of my family. And they were also hilarious. And people would come in just to hear them bicker with each other. They were just so much fun. And one of their favorite things to talk about was religion. Now, at this point, I I wasn't a Christian. I had almost no experience with church. They came from a tradition that did not confess, right? There was no prayer of confession. There was no private confession. And I remember one day they were talking to each other, and they said, I just don't understand these churches that confess. They believe you could go out and kill a man, and you can come back in, and as long as you confess, everything's fine. And I remember thinking, think that's how that works. Like, I don't think we're understanding that properly. I don't know anything about church at that point, but surely that wasn't how it it works. And we know now, yes, that confession is always about repentance. 
and that we serve a Lord who is also very focused on justice. And so that comes into play with every confession we give. But it's hard to understand if you haven't been a part of that tradition. We as Presbyterians have a tradition that I think other people find very hard to understand. It's the tradition of predestination. Now, John Calvin first wrote about predestination when he was writing his treaties, his, his thoughts about all of our, um, our faith and our tradition. And one of the things he wrote is that there are people that God knows who they are who will be reconciled and brought into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Calvin called them the elect. He said, God always knows who the elect are. And then Calvin said, God also knows that there are those who will not come to God. He called them the reprobates. And he said, God knows who they are too. Now here's where the misunderstanding comes. John Calvin was making a statement about God. His theme in all of his writings is that God is sovereign. God has complete control. God knows all things. He did not expect us to go around and try to figure out who was the elect and who was the reprobate. But guess what? Some sinful humans did that. But over and over again, he said, the Lord God is sovereign. God knows all things. And actually, even in our second Helvetic Confession, we are told there is a question in there that says, well, if some are elect and some are reprobate, why should we even preach? And in it is written the idea that we preach because we have been called to, but everything else is left to God because God is sovereign. That idea is at the heart of what the Apostle Paul wants that little church in Philippi to know. They are being threatened from all different places. They are being threatened by divisions among each other, if you can imagine. They are being threatened by the outside Roman culture that is trying to tear them apart. And the Apostle Paul, more than anything, wants them to be united. And he says the most amazing thing. He says, there will be things that you agree upon. Stand firm on those. And where you disagree, God will reveal that too. God is so powerful that it is the Lord God who will show us when we are wrong. It is not your job to help someone see the error of their ways. But it is your job to be honest about where you think Jesus Christ is calling you, calling our church, and calling the world. But Paul says in that passage, wait for God to reveal what God wants us to know. God is sovereign, and so we trust God completely. The Apostle Paul knows that it's very difficult to live in community with each other, especially over a long period of time. And so he tells them, he wants to remind them that they have a higher calling. And he tells them this by using the example of Roman citizenship. Now, in ancient Rome at that time, the highest status you could be was to be a Roman citizen. Only men were allowed to be Roman citizens. 
only certain of those men were allowed to be Roman citizens. And if you were a Roman citizen, you had all of these rights that no one else had. You could elect who ruled over you. Probably most important is that if you got into trouble, you had the force of the Holy Roman Empire behind you. If you were a Roman citizen and someone accused you of something, you got a trial. If you weren't a citizen, there was no trial. And so if you were a Roman citizen, you stood a little taller. You were just a little prouder than everyone else. And the Apostle Paul says, never forget that you have a greater citizenship. You have a higher calling than the Roman Empire. You are to be citizens of heaven. You are to be citizens of heaven, and to be a citizen of heaven is to remember who Jesus Christ is. In the Roman Empire, it was might that always won. On the cross of Jesus Christ, it was Christ's sacrifice that won. To be a Roman citizen, you thought about yourself first. Paul says, as a citizen of heaven, you have such humility that you always think of others first because that's what our Lord and Savior has done. You have a higher calling. You are a citizen of heaven. And I love that Paul doesn't lay that out and then give us no resources on how to do it. The way he tells us to do it is, in modern terms, to practice mutual forbearance. Mutual forbearance is a part of our form of government. It's who we are as Presbyterians. And mutual forbearance says we may have differences, but we are united in the person of Jesus Christ. And despite those differences, we treat each other as a beloved brother or sister in Jesus Christ. Mutual forbearance. We will all have things that we disagree on. The church in Philippi had things that they disagreed on, but Paul knew that they had to remain united if they were going to survive, and they had to be citizens of heaven. Because here's the other part. Paul believed the church had something to show the rest of the world. Paul wanted the rest of the world to look at that little church in Philippi and see people who really loved and cared for others to be a shining example to all of the world around. And guess what, First Church Huntsville? You are a citizen of heaven, and you are to practice mutual forbearance, and you are to show the world around us what it is like to so trust in the living God that you are able to love others. It's really, that's what it's about. All of our disagreements, we have to remember that the Lord God is sovereign and God will work those out. And in the meantime, we love and we forbear and we care for others. Now there's an election on Tuesday. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I don't know if you've gotten any text messages or seen any commercials on TV. And as your minister, it is not my business who you vote for. But as your minister, it is my business to remind you that Jesus Christ has a claim on every part of your life, and you are to take Jesus Christ into the voting booth. 
and you are to come out of that voting booth and love others, even those who are different, and practice mutual forbearance. Because that's what our Lord and Savior has done for us. And that's what we have to show the world over and over again. It is also All Saints Sunday. And we have this long line of people who in this very place probably disagreed about a whole lot of things. And yet, they remain the church. And the church was here when I walked in the door. And I hope it's going to be here when my grandkids walk through the door. We are to love as Christ loved. Sacrifice as Christ sacrificed. And never forget that our highest allegiance is to the Lord God. Thanks be to God and amen. Friends, we now come.